Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Well, good morning and welcome to Eastlake and welcome to Eastlake Online. For those of you watching online or on replay, we're so glad that you are here today. Appreciate you making it out in person for those of you who are here. In person, we're kicking off a brand new series today. So if you're a first-time guest, you picked a fantastic day to come check us out. The series is called Paper Walls. It's a series about your first apartment that you could afford. Uh, and I'm just kidding. It's a series on excuses. We're talking about excuses for a couple of weeks uh, leading up to Easter. I don't want you to have any excuses for missing Easter at Eastlake. And so we're just going to deal with them all right now, and then, you know, then you show up on Easter, and we'll be good to go. Um, but to kick things off, I want to tell you about a time uh, that I, my wife and I, uh, on date nights, uh, would love to go out and find unique, fun, local food spots. And so um, we like sushi. I don't know if you're a sushi fan or not, but uh, we went to a place called Aki Sushi. It's over on Columbia Center Boulevard, and it opened up like four or five years ago, and we went, the, went, uh, went there right when it opened. And uh, we walked in and I said that line that like, if you've grown up in the Tri-Cities for long enough that you know, <laughs> you've heard this line, we walk in you're like, I like this place. It's like Portland-y, Seattle-y, right? And so I don't even know what that means, but I said it and, uh, and, sh- and sh- I remember her going, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know, that's the lighting, it's the cool, it's the vibe, it's the, it's the brick walls, it's the everything else. And she just laughed, she like giggled and uh, she's like, you're so dumb. And uh, I'm like, oh, I know, but... Um, so then we got, we got uh, eating or whatever, and then she slipped away to go use the restroom or do something else, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around, and I, I look at the, the walls, and I reach up, and I, I go to touch them, and I realize it's just brick wallpaper. It's not, it's not real brick, and I didn't know that until I, until I touched it, and then I realized why she was laughing at me and calling me dumb because I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, and I'm like, I should get this from my office. This looks amazing. <laughs> This is, this is great, uh, and, and I realized in that moment, like, something can look real from a, a long ways off, and, and you get up close, and you're like, oh, that's just, it's just fake. That's not even, that's not even like, actually a, a wall or, or boxing me in or whatever, and there's, like, a sense of betrayal, and then there's also a sense of, that's really cool. I need to get some of that for myself, but um, I say all that because from a distance sometimes, an excuse can look like an actual reason. There are things in life that from a distance look real and then you get them a little bit closer and you realize they're not exactly what you thought they were. And that can be the same thing. That I think that that can be said for this idea of reason and excuses. That can look like a reason and then the closer you get to it, the more you ask about it, the more you dig into it, the more you sit with it a little longer, you go, I think that's just an excuse. I think that that's not really uh, like a, a, a real thing. And it, it comes out of a response of, you know, people asking us the question or us asking them the question. Why do you always, or why haven't you, or why did you, why don't you, why can't you just forgive, whatever. Um, and then we also, we always have an answer for that. And that answer sometimes can come across as, as we, or we portray it as a reason and, and we say it, or we hear people say something in response to those, why, why do you always, why do you never, why do you whatever? And they have some sort of reason. We go, oh, that seems like a good enough reason. Uh, and then every once in a while, though, we, we sit with it a little longer and we go, I don't know. And, and perhaps more often than we'd like to admit in conversations with others, we hear them. And we would never say this out loud because we want to kind of continue the friendship. 
Um, but we would say to ourselves in our mind, that's not a good reason. That's just an excuse. They're making an excuse. Or we say that about ourselves. This isn't, we, we find ourselves having a reason saying, because I, the reason I didn't do this is because, and then, and we, we register in our brain. That's a dumb excuse. I've got to rethink that. The next time somebody asks me a question, I have to have a better answer because that's not going to fly. People are going to see through this. And, and it shows up in, in life. I, you, we, I've said this illustration before, but you've, I, you've run into people. I've run into people who have bought a new car and you just make a comment about their new car. You're like, hey, that's a nice car. And immediately they feel like they need to kind of justify it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just uh, something to get from point A to point B, you know? And you're like, okay, that's fine. And, and you're like, yeah. And they just keep going on. And you know, right then they're there. They're like, ah, oh, we just need some of the better gas mileage. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Great. And you're like, ah, and then you do that third row. I'm like, do you have kids I don't know about? Who into this third row? When did you start needing a third row? Well, when we go to, you know, Lowe's and we got something big, I just uh, got to have it, you know, once in a while. It's crazy. And you're like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, listen, you can just want a new car because you want a new car. But when was the last time you talked to somebody and go, hey, that's a nice new car? And they go, yeah just wanted a new car. They never say that. <laughs> they always have some reason to justify it. And you hear it and you go, that's fine that you think you need a reason for it, but that's just an ex- that's, that's just a flimsy excuse. Or I don't know if you've flown recently. If you've flown recently, you, they come on the intercom, they do their little spiel and they go, hey, for your safety, we are not going to be serving drinks on this flight. Uh, and, and you're like, for our safety, like, no, that's, that's not the reason that you're not serving us drinks on this flight. You're trying to cut costs and save money. That's fine. But say that. Don't say it's for your safety. It's going to be a little rocky from here to Seattle. We just, we're just going to, we're going to play it safe. We don't want to, we know you want your ginger ale, but we're going to, we're going to save that 40 cents and just really, uh, I'm like, whatever, you know what I mean? But like, call it what it is. At least just say we're cutting corners every way, which way we can. I know y'all showed up with a bag that you said it's a carry on, not really a carry on. That's fine. Say that, do that. Or maybe it's a boss, right? Who calls a staff meeting together. Hey, we got some changes to some policy stuff. We got some insurance things going on and uh, there's going to be some changes around here, and they give reasons for why they had to change insurance companies. They give reasons for why, like, the, the pay is going to be a little bit different. We know we had this, like, reward system set up where you did this, but that's got to change now. We're so apologetic. Um, the reason is, and they always have some sort of reason, you sit there and you go, I can see through that, man. That's, like, not the reason. Uh, that's an excuse. That's not, that, that, that may be a reason, but that's not the reason. And the reason sounds more like an excuse. And we don't want to be known for excuses. We'd rather be known for reasons. We'd rather have people hear us and go, that makes sense. That's a good enough reason to do it. And we'd be like, good, feel better about myself. Because if we ever led with, well, my excuse is, then we look lame and we look, we just don't like that sort of thing. And so we come up with all kinds of different things to be able to work through this. This week I, I saw uh, somebody that I follow on, on social media, um, was asking for some podcast recommendations and then they came back and, and they said, I was driving and I listened to this podcast that somebody gave me, uh, about distraction when we live in like this distractive sort of environment, we're constantly distracted by all kinds of things. And, uh, and the, the, the podcast, and I didn't even listen to the podcast, but it was on indistractability. Like how do we live a life that in, in this world where so much information is coming? I'm not like, I'm not drawn away. I'm not sidetracked by so many different things. I have so many goals and projects to do. And then I find myself busy and I go, there's just not enough hours in the day. And we all have enough hours in the day. It's just a matter of how you prioritize those things. So anyways, he, he, uh, he said, I was, I was listening to this and I was challenged. 
And he's like, I, pull, I, I want you to know I pulled my car over and I wrote in my notes app this thing and he tweets it out. And he's like, I'm, I'm not tweeting this out to like brag or whatever. I'm tweeting this out to be accountable to this. I want you all to hold me accountable uh, to this. And his tweet basically said that, or it said this. I, I just typed it out. I am solely responsible for my distractibility. I am the one that is responsible for my distractibility. I need to be a, a blankety blank adult, not safe for church, but that's fine. I need to be a blankety blank adult. I need to stop saying I want to be better about X, fill in the blank, and actually do it. And I can and I will do it. Not next week, now. I need to build structure and spend my time intentionally. And I, and I thought to myself, that's exactly the th- kind of thing that we're talking a- about, that I want to talk about for us, is this idea of paper walls that we create for ourselves, boxing ourselves in. I'd like to do that, but I can't. And here's the reason why I can't. God, I would like to do what you've called me to do. I'd like to live in a certain way and, and respond in a certain way. I'd like to live in the way that you've taught me to do, but I can't. And what we, when, when we say those types of things, oftentimes we're giving what we consider to be reasons, but it's just excuses. We're dressing up excuses in an attempt to pass it off as reason. We dress up our excuses and we pass it off as reason so it sounds better in that way. Um, I've been uh, reading through, just to show this, that this is what we do as humans, this kind of human nature. This is not Americans' problem. This is, we've had this problem forever. I've been reading through the Old Testament uh, with one of our board members, John. He's here, uh, sitting over here, and we, we bought together a, a book that's like a, it's got a, ver- a translation of the Old Testament, and it's got a ton of commentary on it, and we said, all right, we're going to do this together. We're going to read through the Old Testament. It's going to be awesome together, and so we started at the very beginning of the year, and, and uh, it's been kind of a race a little bit. He doesn't know this, but it's been a race of sorts. I've been bringing it up uh, with him to see how he's doing, and so uh, this last week, I was reading through Exodus uh, chapter 32, and I know some of you are sitting there going, that's the second book in the Old Testament, man. You said you started this in January, and it's almost April. You're in the second book, and my response to that would be, listen, it's a really big, thick, deep book. Am I right, John? There's a lot of big words. I have four kids. I have all kinds of paper walls I'm, I'm creating right here. I'm doing this. I have excuses. There are good reasons for why I'm only in Exodus, but to be fair, he's only in Genesis, so I feel good <laughs> about where I'm at. All right. Anyways, all right. So in Exodus chapter uh, 32, this is uh, one of the stories of, of, of Moses has gone uh, up on the mountaintop to receive the, uh, the 10 words or the 10 comments, or we know them as the 10 commandments, but the, the tradition is basically just the things of God, right? As he's trying to train these people what it means to be um, uh, the people of Israel, the people of God, people of Yahweh. And so while Moses is away, this is the story of the people down low, you know, back in there, trying, like grumbling, frustrated that Moses is gone. There's no direction. There's no sense of progress. There's like, we've been wandering for a while. Things have not been working the way that we wanted them to do. How do we, how do we make sense of this? Like, uh, maybe we're not doing something right. Um, maybe we, we, need, uh, we need gods. We need the gods. They came out of like a polytheistic they always had images of family gods. These are our family gods, and this is how you knew that things were right in life is you were worshiping the gods correctly, and if you weren't, it was because you weren't doing that correctly. And the reason that we've been wandering is perhaps because we don't have gods, so let's make, let's do all these kinds. And that was like rule number one, right? That's don't make any graven images. They already knew all of this, and yet he's away. They're left alone, and so uh, they begin to bug Aaron, Moses' brother, about, um, about this, going, hey, we got to have something. Like, we want to go back to what's familiar for us. What's familiar is a God that we can see, handle, and touch, right? A brazen image of something. Uh, we want to go back to something that's familiar. And so he caves in. They, they begin to, like, 
it says it says in the text that they um, they threw all of their gold together that they had gotten from the Egyptians. They molded it into some sort of calf, and then they begin to kind of have like 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 this orgy party around this calf, and it, it was crazy. Moses hears this on top of the mountain. He begins to come down, and here's where it picks up the conversation. This isn't even my, my primary text. I just think it's a funny text that kind of speaks to how paper walls have been an issue for a long time. He said to Aaron, his brother, what did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Like, personalizes the problem. This is you, your, your problem. Aaron answered, you know how prone these people are to evil. Immediately coming up with reasons slash excuses dressed up as reasons. It's these people. You know these people, man. They're difficult, right? Uh, they said to me, make us gods who will go before us. We want to go back to something that's familiar. We've been wandering for a little while. It's been unsure. You've called us into the desert for a while. We had this like cloud uh, by day and, and a pillar of fire by night. But like now it's like a little bit of a question mark. We're not sure what's going on with us. Now, as for this uh, fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't even know what has happened to him. They're, you know these people. You were gone. The, like You were like absent for like 40 days. We didn't even know where you were, right? So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold. And then I threw it into the fire. And then this is my favorite part. This is the excuse that your kids have told you. And you're like, just that's not, that can't, that's not even possible, right? And out came this calf. I don't know. Mom? I don't know how all this milk got spilled in the whole fridge. All I did was open the door and then the milk exploded everywhere. It's crazy. I don't know what kind of milk you're buying, right? Maybe you need to upgrade this. I have no idea what happened. It's probably little brother that happened. Yeah, it's between you and him or maybe the guy that sells milk, Dairy Gold. You probably need to have some conversation. I'm gonna go upstairs and go play Minecraft, but you got some work to do, right? This is what's happening in this scenario. Like <laughs> coming up with these excuses. Here's some reasons for why this is occurring. But none of them are good enough reasons. Moses and we, as, you know, reading through this, can see like the excuses that are piling up. That these are these paper walls that he's created. I would, I would like to have done better, but I just couldn't with the people that you gave me, with the time frame that you had, and with the op- options that I had. You know, the, the demands on my schedule. I would have liked to have done something better, but I simply cannot do it. Right. I, Blame me if you want, but that's unjustified blame, whatever. And it's true, and we see this in our life. I would like to do better. I would like to be a better dad. I would like to be a better employee. I thank you for this goal, like this six-month goal that we sat down and talked about, but I'm four months in, and I haven't got anywhere close to this, but I do have a reason. Listen, uh, it's the people that you hired as my coworkers. They're boneheads. I didn't know that signing up for the six-month goal. Uh, The budget that you gave me clearly wasn't enough. We all have excuses. Excuses pass themselves off as reasons and enter our vocabulary as becauses. And we say things like that. Well, the reason it happened, see what happened was, see the reason I'm short, the reason I don't have enough, the reason I, is because here's the thing. And we start selling, we become salesmen, even to ourselves. And that's when it really gets the most damaging. We talk ourselves in these things. We believe our own lies. And we, we create these paper walls and we do this even for ourselves. And here's the, the funny thing about it is we can sniff this out so well in other people, can't we? We are so good at watching other people begin to tell us, well, here's the reason why I bought the car, third row, gas mileage. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. You can just say. It doesn't matter. Uh, we sniff it out so well in other people. And then for whatever reason, it is so difficult for us to see in the mirror. And we think, you know what? I'll be good at this though. It doesn't work for anybody I know, but maybe I could pull it off, right? Maybe I'll be uh, the one that can talk, talk myself into this sort of thing. So if I could get you to do one thing as a result of being here this morning, and the thing that we're going to practice for the next couple of weeks as we kind of lead up into Easter, and it doesn't really have to do with Easter attendance. I really don't care. I, I'm, I just think it's a really important uh, concept and living authentically in our faith. 
um, is a subtle shift away from the reason is, the reason is when you find yourself even this week and the next couple of weeks saying, well, here's the reason, the reason I, the reason I can't, the reason I won't, the reason I have, instead of saying the reason is, moving towards the subtle shift to saying, well, my excuse is this. And it's an admittance of a shortcoming. It's, a, it's, it's still like a statement of reality. It's not changing anything except for it is a little bit more honest and it's a little bit more authentic and it really does put the onus back on us instead of externalizing the problem. And being like, I, I, ha- I have an excuse and it's lame because all excuses are lame. I understand that. But my excuse is, not my reason is, my excuse is. And I know why we don't do this. I know why our, what our motivation is for why we create these paper walls, why we create these things that look good from a distance, but if we get close, they're not real. It came about probably because of something somebody told you, called you, labeled you, or expected of you. Like, I know why we have these things, because we have expectations. We have an image to uphold. We, have, we want people to think of us as, you know, successful or worthy or, 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 or something like that. And is it possible that we've created reasons to excuse some of our behavior, some of our reactions, and some of our overreactions? And up until this point, like, this is all fine and good, right? Like, this is, you could even qualify this as a decent enough TED Talk. Brent, I'm not going to give you the quality of, you know, assuming that this is a good TED Talk. It's just an okay one, right? Um, there's nothing particularly religious about this, and, uh, and which is fine. Like, we've, we've always said, listen, I want this to be a beneficial piece of your time. I want this to be worth your time, even if you're not particularly uh, religious or don't consider yourself to be a Christian. We want to be a place where it's safe at, at all points. Um, this is an all-skate for everybody at this point. And, and yet, there's also, uh, because I'm a pastor and this is a church, I, I feel like I need to direct it. I think that this integrates over into our faith. As much as this is a shortcoming in just our secular life, this also impacts our faith as well. When we settle for paper walls in our faith, when we know we're called to do something or be something, or God expects something from us, or we feel we feel uh, like I've got a personal conviction about something, that I should be better at this. And then we find ourselves putting up these paper walls going, yeah, what well, the reason I'm not, the reason I can't, the reason I won't, the reason I can't forgive, the reason I... And, and we fall into this, this broken process of doing this. We, we realize uh, that's not... It's going to be really difficult for us to follow in the way of Jesus. In fact, I wrote it this way. There's a relationship between your ability to follow Jesus and your willingness to push through paper walls. We've said from the beginning that this is a church. The reason that we get together is because we are trying to discern uh, what it would look like to live in the way of Jesus. When we look at the New Testament, we see that um, the first four gospels kind of talk about Jesus as like a biography of what he taught. And the, the, the last half of the, uh, of the New Testament is a lot of the church trying to discern based on his life, what it looks like to be, live in the way of Jesus. Um, we're, we're, doing the same, we're doing the same thing. We're going, we think Jesus taught a unique way of doing life. We think he had a unique perspective as the son of God. Um, we think that that was justified, uh, that, that title is justified by his resurrection, by his, the way that he lived, by the things that he taught. We think it's worth looking at our life through the lens of, uh, of how would Jesus do in this, in this way? And what is he calling us to? What is he inviting us to? And one of the things that we've said is critically important, uh, like according to Jesus, of utmost importance. He says to his disciples, um, you will, uh, people will know that you're a follower of mine by the way that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
Like there is an invitation into a way of loving one another and, and, and not just people who like you. Another part, he would say, listen, it's not really hard for people to like people who like them. It's not hard for you to be like, I love everybody who looks like me, talks like me, and pretty much lives life like me. And if they like me, that's an added bonus. And it's, I like, I like them, right? That's not hard. But Jesus is saying, I want you to love people who are nothing like you, who don't like you. I want you to pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. And that's a difficult thing to do, right? To live with, with, with love one another being the baseline platform by which to move forward on, which then leads us to the question, um, okay, well, how are you doing with Jesus's command? <laughs> it's literal, I, this is what I expect of you to love one another. Um, how are you doing with, with that in practicality? Are there people, are there types of people that you find yourself not liking, right? Are there people that you don't like? You've got your reasons for why I don't like them. You've got all kinds of reasons because you've created them, but you look closely enough, they're not really reasons, they're kind of excuses to not follow Jesus in this invitation to live this out. We've created paper walls for why it's okay. It's fine for me to have this opinion. I'm justified in overlooking this or, or doing this in this way. And and I would say, man, if you're if you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, this is a big deal. This is not only good for your, you know, your well-being or your nutrition or your life or your goal setting and your job and all the kind of stuff. This is critical for being a Christian because as a Christian, we do this as well. We th- we can fall into the same exact pattern. Is it possible? You're missing out on living in the way of Jesus. Maybe even something you feel specifically called to because you find yourself walled into doing it. Being like there's no way that I could actually do that because, or I'd like to do that, but I've got all kinds of different things going on in my life. One of the books in the New Testament is a book called Hebrews. Um, and it's in the, like the later third of the New Testament, so towards the end, right? Um, and I, I've said this for a long time. The Bible is not a book. It's a collection of different books. You've got Old Testament, New Testament, basically two different eras of, of covenants, um, in, in between each of those covenants, you've got different types of books. You've got history books. You've got biography. You've got poetry. You've got law. You've got biography with Jesus in the Gospels. You've got letters of, of uh, admonishment or encouragement or whatever from Paul in the New Testament churches. And Hebrews kind of stands out as kind of a unique, I don't know if you've ever read through it, but it, it reads differently than pretty much all of the New Testament books. It reads, uh, one, uh, the author is not mentioned. Um, they just start talking as if whoever reads this should know who it is, and yet we don't. Um, some say Paul, but probably not. Um, and it reads like a sermon almost. The way that this person talks, you know how you know how you've been to somewhere, you've heard something online, and immediately you can tell this is a sermon. This is uh, this is different than a TED talk. This is different than somebody spouting their opinions. It's just a this is a, a sermon. Um, that's kind of how this this book of Hebrews it reads, and it's. Um, it was written clearly to a group of people who are try- who were formerly Jewish heritage, who had now transitioned to being Jewish Christians, but were struggling with integrating their faith in a society that did not uh, did not appreciate that, did not allow that. There was some persecution going on. It was not easy to be a Christian and who had come from Jewish heritage. There was a temptation to go back to what was familiar. So in that way, a little bit like the Israelites in the desert, um, there was a temptation to just, why don't we go back to um, the temple system? Because in the temple system, it was really easy to know where one stood with God. 
If you went to the temple once a week, once a month, whenever you felt like you needed to, you looked at the menu of what kind of sin did you do? What kind of uh, sacrifices need to be made? I buy that animal. I make that sacrifice. I walk away. I know where I stand with God. And then all of a sudden, like this whole Jewish Christianity pulls this thing, goes, Jesus is now our high priest. We don't need that temple. We don't, there is no sacred holy place. There are now sacred holy people and you do life with them and how you treat them is just, is take that importance, take that sacredness that you tied into a location. And instead, now as you go and do life with people, take that same sacred thing and translate it into how you treat others. That, that, it's essentially the invitation to it. And that's difficult to do because people are jerks and idiots. And so it's really hard for these people and us to integrate that. It would be far easier for us to say, couldn't there just be something I come and do on Sundays to check a box, to mark something off, to do something, to make me feel like I got it and I'm done and we're good and just move on with this? And so this, this writer of Hebrews is writing to these people going, listen, I know this is difficult. I know it's not as formulaic as you would like it to be. I know that that's far more familiar, but don't regress back into that. What we have in Jesus is something unique and something new. And so the book of Hebrews is very highly Christological. It speaks of Jesus uh, in, in, in a unique way. It calls him a high priest. It calls him the new temple. It calls him all this kind of stuff. He's, tr- this author's trying to draw them into it. Don't go back into that. Don't fall for these paper walls excuses why you think it would be easier me to go back. Those reasons look good from a distance, but when you look at them up close, you're just creating outs for yourself, and that's not what Christ is inviting you in to do. So with that backdrop in mind, he begins to, this author begins to tell this story, and in chapter 11, he gets to the spot where he highlights, it's called the, the, the heroes of faith is some sort of title probably in your Bible, right? And, and it goes through like this, like, character story of by faith, Abraham uh, left everything he was familiar with in Ur and left out of the Chaldeans and entered into the desert to look up at the sky and be promised of, of people by his, you know, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, all, and they go through basically their entire heritage going by faith, by faith, by faith, and it recaps the entire Old Testament, all of the patriarchs, all of the people who are, 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 are a big deal. And then in chapter 12, there's like this hinge verse, this hinge text, it goes on, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here together. And this is, by the way, all of the things that are going to be on the screen in just a few moments are going to be available uh, if you go to the notes page, eastlectricities.com slash notes, or if you have the app, you can download that, because I'm going to go through it a little bit fast, but um, they're there. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because of this successive description of all of these people who lived by faith, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I don't think that it's like all these people are up in the clouds watching us as we do this. I don't think that that's how it works. I think he's trying to say, because of the rich heritage that which we come from, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us, anything that stops us from becoming what we know to do, any excuses that we might create to to put ourselves up and to be a reason why I would love to have done that. I'd love to kind of continue in this way of doing faith. I'd love to kind of live this out, but throw that off, anything that hinders. And he's he's about to use this race analogy. And I love that because we know what it's like to feel hindered in a race. Have you ever tried running in jeans? And the moment you get like 10 yards in, you're like, I got to get these off of me. This isn't going to work. This wasn't a great idea, bad idea. 
we, we know that, that, that the pain, we know that immediately our mind is focused on these things. He's going, let us throw off anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us or entangles you. And that sin, that word there, I know that can have a lot of definitions but based on what church you grew up in, missing the mark and falling short of what God's expectations are for you. But I think really Jesus' definition of sin is simply anything that hurts you or the user that are around you. Anything that hurts you that keeps you from becoming God, what God wanted you to be, and, or anything that hurts the people around you. That, that's the qualifications uh, for sin. So let us throw our eyes, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance. Or in one translation, this like idea of steadfast endurance, the race that has been marked out for us. Steadfast endurance, this unflappability, like the villain in the horror movie that just won't die, that just keeps coming back. It's like this, what do I have to do to kill you, right? This is this, is this idea of, I just keep coming back at this thing. I, 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 don't ha- I don't have to come up with excuses as to why I fall short. I'm just steadfast endurance on this thing. I, I'm pushing through. I'm trying to eliminate anything that hinders this from me. I want to do what you've, I want to be what you've called me to be. I want you to do what you've called me to do. Let us live, let that be typiful, or typified by our faith. Let that be the thing that defines our faith. This, this, this is the invitation in this way of Jesus to do all of these things. Fixing our eyes, and here's how we do it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, or the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Saying, listen, I'm calling you to a unique way of doing things. You have been called, we have been called as a, as a people group living in this way of Jesus into this unique way of doing this. And there's gonna be a temptation to kind of come up with paper walls and excuses for why it just doesn't work, just doesn't make sense. And if you, it doesn't work for today's day and age in this society. And he's going to throw off all of that stuff and re- resolve yourself to move forward in unflappability and perseverance in steadfast awareness or steadfast endurance, the race that has been marked out for you. And the only way that you're going to be able to do it is when it, this is, again, this is whoever's wrote Hebrews is talking, this isn't Brent talking, is to fix your eyes on the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith who modeled it for us, who walked through this himself, and then invites us to the same and doesn't invite us to do it alone, but is also one who says, I will be with you. It's, so it's, it's, the, it's the image, it's the, it's, the, it's the calling, it's the goal, but it's also the companion on the journey. It's the destination and it's the means. It's the hope and the process. Jesus, Jesus just wasn't an example, although he was that. He also is, according to scripture, according to these people, the guy who will empower us to be able to live this out. That we've been called not to come up with these lame excuses that look like reasons from a distance off, but to fix our eyes on the author, perfecter of our faith. So if we decide to follow Jesus, we'll have to stop making and manufacturing excuses. We'll have to begin to learn what it means to shut down this excuse factory, to really call it what it is, to, be, to, to, to not say, okay, my first step is I'm going to stop calling it reasons. I'm going to start calling it excuses. And then once I start calling it really my excuses, my excuses, which kind of can be fine for you know, why we didn't go to the gym today or why we didn't save up enough money for this thing or whatever. But when it comes to our faith, kind of falls short. And then we begin to realize, you know what, it, it, you know what it's been? 
I've been short-sighted. I've been focusing on myself. I've been focused on not Jesus. I've been focusing on what's in front of me and not what he's calling me to be and not focusing on the fact that, well, I, you know, I, can't, I feel like I can't do it. You were never called to do it individually. You're always, it's gonna be a fall short thing. But there's somebody who says, I, I, I can come alongside you. I'm both the goal and the means of achieving it. Let us throw off anything that hinders and run the race that has been marked out for us because I think that we all have been called to something. And I think part of it, and a big piece of it is, again, who are you, how do you love? Who do you love? What does it look like to love one another? Because there are people who are going to be difficult to love and you will have all kinds of reasons why you, that just doesn't work for me. We don't vote the same, we don't think the same, we don't look the same, we don't talk the same, we don't believe the same things. I understand, I get it. Jesus understands, he gets it. It's not gonna be easy to do. And yet, that is the invitation that we are called to be able to do, the race that has been marked out for us. So I came up with a couple of questions for you, for me, as we kind of go through this week, all right? So if you're taking notes, get ready to write fast and or, again, on the talks page, or the notes page on the thing, you'll have these. Number one, have you ever exposed and discarded a personal excuse? If so, what did that process entail? In other words, have you ever said something and then caught yourself later, maybe right in that moment, that'd be great. But oftentimes, probably like a few hours later, you have to like bring your kids back downstairs and be like, listen, dad was wrong. I don't know what I was saying. Sorry, that's dumb. We can do this. It's fine. Dad, can we, you said we could go. No, can't, can't do it. We're too busy today. Got, got stuff going on, right? And so, really, it was just selfishness. I don't want to take you somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I came up with excuses. So now I've got to kind of pull this thing back and be like, here's the deal. That was just dad just wanting to watch basketball. Now that the Zags are out, it doesn't matter. We can go do whatever you want to do now. It doesn't matter. It's because life is meaningless. Anyways, number two, during the talk, are you reminded of something that you tell yourself as a way of avoiding responsibility or opportunity? Is there any excuse that you resort to? Any reason that you find showing up again and again and again as to why? I fall short of my own expectations and my own standards for this sort of thing. It's a card that we constantly play. And, and there might be some legitimacy to it. I, I, I get it, man. Life's complicated. We're all just trying to get by and make things work. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I also understand that that can be something that uh, left unchallenged can be a, a blind spot for us. It's not a healthy spot. And then have you been lying to yourself? Do you owe yourself an apology? Have you, have, you, have you shorted yourself? Have you looked at, have you given yourself your own self like limitations and, and really kind of held yourself back from something that you know to be good, but you just, I'd like to have done this, but I, I just uh, been so busy. I got this thing, I got something going on. And, it's, and, and you realize the flimsiness of, of, of that in reality. And maybe nobody's called you the carpet on it and, and it's fine, but you're, you let your head down or you look at like your last year, you look at goal setting, you're like, I could do better. I could do better. You, you hear verses um, uh, about invitations to like love people and, 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 and do this. And, and you, it's, again, it's been really easy for you like, to like people who like you, but uh, a little less so on that way. There's been something you feel called to. You've heard a message. You've been reading a devotional. You've done something. You're like, my faith needs to be taken more seriously. I need to do something. And then you've kind of like, you know, created your own out. You create your own escape hatch. 
you've come up with something that is, is an easy way out, and uh, you've robbed yourself of the opportunity to see what life would look like on the other side of continuing and following through on that. And you owe yourself an apology, and uh, you owe it to yourself to kind of look at it again, to revisit that. And to say, I know I tried this once and, it, and I fell short, but perhaps I was focusing on myself. This time, may I focus and fix my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured something as desperate as the cross, scorning its shame, taking something that was meant for shame and then like making something beautiful out of it anyways. And he invites us to do the same exact thing. Take something that's meant for brokenness. You know what? Steadfast endurance, perseverance through this unflappability. I'm focused on this. And the only reason I'm able to get through this is not only because you modeled this for us, but because you promised that you wouldn't abandon me in this moment. So Jesus, I'm clinging to that promise. And I'm desperately hoping that you'll see me through on this because I am sick and tired of living with a bunch of paper walls that I've created for myself to box myself in, to limit myself, limit my potential, limit to what you've called me to be. And I want to move forward in a different way. May we be the type of people who refute, who see, who get close enough to the brick wallpaper to be like, oh, this isn't real. To be able to push through and be able to be like, this is so dumb that I haven't let myself do this. God, would you help inspire, model, and encourage, and be with us along the process? May we be the type of people who don't fall for paper walls. Let's pray. Father, our prayer is that you would guide us into this, that you would help us to see where we have done this, that this has been a pattern for us, uh, something that you've uh, called us to, significance, and, uh, and we've shortchanged ourselves, and we've sinned against ourselves or sinned against people around us. And um, we lament those opportunities, and we ask for uh, guidance and wisdom in moving forward so that that is not true of our story, um, as we, as we progress and as we grow in our faith and our trust in you. Give us the wisdom to know what that looks like in our lives, the courage to act on it. your name, amen. Next week, we continue this. Love to have you back as we talk more about taking down uh, some of those paper walls. Um, inside of your program, a couple of business items I want to address before we uh, let you out of here for today. Inside of your program is uh, a couple of things. One is a connect card. It looks like this. On the back spot, to be able to mark down some next steps. Uh, spot on the bottom for some prayer requests. If you've got something that you're going through, we would love to partner with you in prayer uh, on it. Uh, on the front side of the spot for some personal information. If you're a regular tender, you know the drill. We do ask everyone to fill one of these out and just at least put your name on the top so we know who has or hasn't been here for a while. And if you're a guest with us, uh, we know there's a lot of things competing for your time uh, on Sunday mornings and uh, we would love to say thanks. And um, we donate money uh, to an organization doing good things locally and globally for every first and second time guest. Uh, this month, it's to the Ark of Tri-Cities. So if you let us know that you're here, uh, we'll donate more at the end of the month to uh, that organization. So. Uh, this, and as well as there's a giving envelope inside of your program as well. Uh, this is uh, your chance to help us out financially to continue to create a church. For people who don't typically like church, we couldn't do without uh, all of the people who make this a priority. We're thankful for that. All of those things can go in the blue bins at the top of the ramp as you're leaving. We'll make sure they get to the right spot. Those are also available in electronic version uh, by downloading the app. Uh, the last thing I want to mention is Easter's coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, April 17th. So I think it's three weeks from today. We're going to be doing a bunch of baptisms that day. So if you are interested in baptism and have never been baptized, uh, we would love to have a conversation with you. We've got another week or two uh, that we can kind of do some of the legwork beforehand to kind of make that a win uh, for that Sunday. So um, let us know. 
Um, and then uh, 8.30 and 10 o'clock, that service, uh, we're going to be opening our doors uh, to probably a, a lot of people, like the closure of COVID. Easter's always a big Sunday anyways. Uh, and if you're if East Lake's home for you and you haven't uh, found a spot yet in terms of volunteering, we would love to have you try it out that day, even as a one-time serve, going, listen, I know people are coming over that day, right? And you, when you have people come to your house, um, you tell the kids, hey, go clean the upstairs, go clean the room, you go clean this, do this. Because uh, you want to put your best foot forward and present it. And uh, that's the same thing for us. And so um, if you are uh, interested or available to help us out, be ready that day. We're straight Easter first serve or one-time serve or whatever. We'd love to put you to work in some area uh, that Sunday. All right. Would you stand? I'm going to read a closing benediction for you and then get you on your way. Here's what it says. Lord, mold us and form us into the kind of people that you want us to be. Be patient with us when we fall short of what love demands of us and give us patience with ourselves. Catch us in the arms of your grace. Amen. May that go with you this week, whatever it is that you're facing. Next week, we'd love to have you back. If we've never met, I'll be in the lobby after this. We'd love to say hello and put a name to face. Other than that, see you back next week for part two of Paper Walls. See ya. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri-Cities in your favorite app store.